Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally, not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. Welcome to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. This is Dr. Dan. Freedom Forum Radio is for you, faithful listeners, no matter who you voted for or what political party you belong to. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is not about politics. It's about principle. It's not about candidates. It's about conscience and the Constitution. Like the name implies, this is a program about freedom, individual freedom, your freedom, where it comes from, what it means to you, and most importantly, how to hang on to it. You're listening to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. This is part three of this very special interview with Publius Hulda. You mentioned the Commerce Clause, which is one of the one of the clauses that is constantly being used to take away our rights. I mean, you look back to Wickard versus Filburn when when the farmer who was growing wheat for his own consumption was told that that was a violation of interstate commerce on this ridiculous theory that because he was eating his own wheat, he was not participating in interstate commerce. Right. And that is why I was saying to you that, you know, the Supreme Court is, is... in many ways, guilty of allowing this, uh, they participated in this sh- the sham and the ruse of constitutionality. Yes. Yeah. They, they are the worst usurpers. Um, now, our framers knew that this might happen. So, um, Article 3, Section 1 provides that federal judges serve during good behavior only. And in Federalist Paper number 81 at the 8th paragraph, Alexander Hamilton says, when federal judges usurp powers, Congress can impeach them. But... Well, good luck with that. Yeah. I mean, uh, we have not seen a Congress with much of a backbone to do anything to protect us in any way. For a hundred years. That is correct. So let's go back to this call for a convention of states. Uh, Now, some people want an Article 5 constitutional convention, and some people want a convention of states to take up a, not a series of amendments, but a... uh, a plan or to solve certain areas of it. Do you see a difference between those two concepts? Is there a difference between those two concepts? 
Well, first, let, let me just give a brief overview of Article 5. Article 5 of our federal constitution provides two methods of amending the constitution. Under the first method, Congress proposes amendments and then submits them to the states for ratification. Under the second method, if two-thirds of the states apply for it, Congress calls a convention for proposing amendments. Now, we have 27 amendments to our Constitution. All 27 have been made using the first method where Congress proposed the amendments and submitted them to the states. And James Madison when he introduced the Bill of Rights, used the first method. He wanted Congress to be the one which proposed them to the states for ratification. The second method, the convention method, of amending the Constitution has never been used, and there is a reason for this. What is it? It is the worst idea since sin. But I, I got ahead. Uh, you want me to talk about the different names? Well, uh, you can proceed, but I just, I was wondering is, there are groups which want what they call an Article 5 Constitutional Convention, and then you have this group called the Convention of States. Uh, do you think there's any difference between that? No, there, there's no difference. Um the, the second method, the convention method, has been referred to by different names, but it's all the same convention. Certain forces have been trying to get an Article 5 convention since the 1960s. I think that's when Rockefeller-founded organization came up with the proposed constitution called the New States of America. That's a doozy. It used to be called a constitutional convention because it is a convention provided for by the Constitution, and it is the only way that those who want to get rid of our existing Constitution can impose a new one. Well, that's really... Well, you know, that's really one of the points that is so important, that people say that if you have a constitutional convention, that it could turn into a runaway convention, and anything could happen. Yes, and I say it is certain to turn into a runaway constitution, and that that is the hidden agenda behind those, um, the hidden agenda of those calling for this. They can, the delegates can come up with a new constitution. Now, this new constitution would have its own new method of ratification. They can choose a mode of ratification which is certain to result in approval. So this is how they can literally force a constitution on us. For example, the New States of America constitution does away with the states entirely. It um, creates a series of regions which are answerable directly to the federal government, and that Constitution provides that it will be ratified when the president calls a referendum 
But don't worry, we know the votes will be counted honestly, don't we? So that is something that's been around for the last 50 years or so, is that yes. correct? The New States yes. Constitution? These conspirators against our Constitution. Now, people trying to stop this convention call it a con-con because we correctly see it as a con to impose a new constitution. Now, Phyllis Schlafly of Eagle Forum has been fighting against a con-con since the early 1980s. And the Eagle Forum website has a topics page on con-con, which is a gold mine of information. I think the terms CONCON or Constitutional Convention got a bad name because they're bad ideas. So, when this present push for a Constitution started, they changed what they called it and came up with the prettified new name of Convention of the States or State Convention Process. And that's what Mark Levin, Rob Nadelson, Michael Ferris, Nick Dranius all call it. Now, Rob Nadelson is a former law professor. He wrote a paper several years ago where he announces that he will no longer call what he wants a constitutional convention. Henceforth, he is going to call it a convention for proposing amendments or an amendments convention or a convention of the state. So that's how they come up with a new name, and this new name makes it sound as if it's only about proposing amendments and not about replacing our Constitution. Oh, what a tangled web those deceivers have woven. We have to take a quick commercial break here on Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. More with Publius Hulda right after this. Let me ask you about the run, the concept of the runaway convention. Um, I had been taught that the original constitutional convention back in 1789 was in fact a runaway convention because uh, the the convention was called to make some minor changes to the Articles of Confederation to fix things that weren't working, and what we ended up with was a new constitution. The people at the Convention of States say that's just not true. Uh, <laughs> They're lying. So, in other I, words, you I, would I, agree I, that 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 wasn't the original runaway constitutional convention. Um, uh, uh, Doctor Dan, it's not a matter of I don't agree. This is an issue of truth and complete lies. What you said is true. When the Convention of States people say that the convention of 1787 was not a runaway convention, they are lying. Look, there is no way to stop the delegates at a convention from running away and coming up with a new constitution. This new constitution will have its own new method of ratification. It need not involve the states. It can be whatever the delegates want. They can have a referendum called by the president or majority vote in Congress. Well, let me, let, me, let me ask you about that point. 
Um, if we have a constitution that Article 5 says specifically, I believe, that any changes that are made have to be approved by three-quarters of the state's legislatures. Is that not correct? Uh, amendments. No, it doesn't say any changes. It says any Amend- amendments yes. to the Constitution have to be approved by three-fourths of the states. But remember, in the second paragraph, the Declaration of Independence, we all agreed that uh, the people have the right at any time to throw off their government and create a new one. So the people have the sovereign right to throw off our Constitution and create a new one. So when, when the delegates at the Constitutional Convention are assembled, they are acting under an awesome authority. They have the power recognized by... Uh, paragraph 2 of the Declaration of Independence to come up with a new Constitution. Just exactly as they did at the Convention of 1787. We operated under the Articles of Confederation. Article 13 of the Articles of Confederation said they can't be amended except, except by unanimous agreement of the state. And the Continental Congress called the convention, quote, for the sole and express purpose of revising the Articles of Confederation, end quote. Well, we know what happened. The delegates ignored the limitations in the call, wrote a new constitution with a new method of ratification. And even though the Articles of Confederation required unanimous approval of all the states for the amendments to be effective. The new Constitution of 1787, the one we have now, provided at Article 7, Clause 1, that it would go into effect if only nine of the 13 states ratified it. It is impossible to stop this from happening at another convention. You know, On a Phyllis... Go ahead. On Phyllis Schlafly's website, she's got a letter from former U.S. Supreme Court Chief Justice uh, Warren Burger, and one of the truest things he said in his entire life was, there's no way to stop a convention from running away and coming up with a new constitution. And because the new constitution can have any method of ratification the drafters want, they can force it on us. They can say, if all the blue states approve it, it'll be ratified. If a majority vote in Congress approves it, it'll be ratified. What you're saying... If we have a new convention, Article 5 convention, George Washington, James Madison, Ben Franklin, Alexander Hamilton won't be there. We're going to have liars there and... It appears that uh, George Soros-funded groups will be there. So what you're saying is there is ample historical precedent for a constitutional convention to be a runaway convention that could create anything it wants, uh, uh, have it ratified in any way it wants, and that realistically there would be no way, once that snowball is rolling down the hill, they would be virtually impossible to stop. I say it would be 
totally impossible to stop because of the power the delegates have to provide for any method of ratification which is guaranteed to um, uh, bring about approval. One of the reasons the drafters of our Constitution of 1787 provided that only nine of the states had to ratify it was because they all knew that Rhode Island would not approve it. So they just found a way to get ratification which didn't need Rhode Island's vote. So, again, uh, historical precedent is something we should all look to because oh yes that that really is where if if we don't learn from history then obviously we're doomed uh we all know that and so what you've brought up is really an excellent point and i would add to it the following is that what we have today that we did not have in 1787 1789 and the like is today we have a media that is completely and totally biased uh, we have the means to influence vast area, vast segments of the population without, uh, without any thought processes involved. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I mean, that alone, and, and we have the ability to, uh, and plus we have a whole bunches of people who, whose very livelihood is invested in getting money from the government in order to live. So you put all that together, you put up a biased, a biased media, uh, control of thought, and people whose interest lies in changing things so that they never have to, uh, never have to uh, be gainfully employed. Uh, that kind of thing is just a setup for throwing out everything that, that protects protects our natural law rights and substituting a socialist welfare state. Yes. Yeah, like uh, James Madison, we would do well to tremble at the prospect of an Article 5 convention. Well, you've brought up some really incredible points about that. So, obviously, nullification is a completely different way of approaching these problems. How do you feel that nullification would be a superior way uh, to approach the difficulties that we have in this country today? Um, but before I, um, I get into nullification, let me say something very important about James Madison and what he said about Article 5 conventions. Uh, he is turning over in his grave about the lies these conspirators are telling about his position on another convention. On my website, I have a paper called Mark Levin Refuted, Keep the Feds in Check with Nullification, Not Amendments, where I quote what our framers actually said about another convention, and I provide hyperlinks to where they said it. That concludes this week's episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Tune in next week for the conclusion with Publius Hulda. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Oh, me the mischief! 
Shakta. Me original sin. Me railroad steel. Yeah, everything gonna be all right this morning. <laughs> 